0: Welcome, everybody, to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Thursday, December 17th, and Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated and Pete Sampson from The Athletic joins us. It's Notre Dame-Clemson in the ACC Championship on Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern time in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Notre Dame, a 10.5-point underdog. The over-under line has dropped to 60. I think that's a a trend that... uh, well, we'll see how you guys end up making your predictions here at the end of segment two. But we have talked about Clemson and Notre Dame a lot. We're going to kind of table that until we get to section, or I should say uh, segment two, where we have a bunch of questions about Notre Dame-Clemson. But Notre Dame had a uh, signing day yesterday, and I think it was a good one. And they're, they're not completely done. Brian Kelly made it clear that they weren't completely done, that they intended to sign two running backs within 48 hours of his announcement yesterday. I think it's trending in that direction as is uh, a potential defensive player on the, at least not for now, lined up on the back end of the defense.
1: Yeah. I thought it was, it was a good cycle. Um, You know, we have so much data now and Brian Kelly's recruiting like highs and lows of it. This was I think sort of in, it was certainly at the high end of of volume, but um, was sort of middle of the road in terms of quality of players, but you know, they, it was a good job hitting their needs. I thought, particularly on the offensive line. I thought Caleb Johnson was a really shrewd fifth pickup there. I like that one. Um, you know, I think back-to-back classes at wide receiver was really good. And then you know, I think they – I guess I would have preferred maybe they signed a defensive end that was a little bit more ready out of the box um, than what they did. Um, but they've done such a good job developing those guys. Maybe you hit on, on two of the three um, more – Go see what go see what Matt Bayless can do for a couple of years, and then obviously Tyler Buckner, quarterback. So it's I thought it was a it was a solid year. It was a weird it was a weird time that that's the third most interesting thing that happened with Notre Dame football this week. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. It's, it's it's definitely it's been a busy week for us. We know that, and certainly the coaching staff can't even imagine what what they've been trying to do and trying to prepare for a, an ACC championship game as well.
2: I mean, I like, like Pete mentioned, I like the top half, having Spindler and Fisher coming in with Buckner. You asked me why you need to make another run in 2023 for your best possible team. It's two top tier offensive line prospects and a quarterback. Um, Pete, you mentioned a defensive lineman coming in ready to go. I think it's a good point for strong side. I I think Vipers set for a little while, you know, they can certainly wait uh, for development from this class strong side. need somebody to develop behind Adamiola, right? Justin Adamiola sooner rather than later if they want to keep the rallying going, as Dalen Hayes said uh, in our story today. Um, Yeah, I like the class. It's dangerous when we like a lot of three-star sleepers. Um, I thought Brian Kelly made a good point um, that maybe they wouldn't have been still three-star guys if uh, the cycle continued with people playing their senior year and all those type of things. It's, yeah, it's a good class and the depth of it um, allows for misses. And I think People don't like talking about that because everybody's a hit yesterday and today and tomorrow, but the depth of it allows for some misses at positions over the two year span as well.
0: Yeah. The ready-made defensive end that you referenced, Pete, was the Gilliam kid that at one point they thought they had a really good chance of getting in. And that that, that,
1: before that, like, uh, you know, I I know that I got asked this question yesterday. It was just like, who's sort of the Kyle, who was the Kyle Hamilton in this class? Somebody they got on very early that they thought was way undervalued by like the the ranking services and that player was actually David Abiyara um, that yeah. was the guy that they felt like oh man we stole one here so that's uh that was a little disappointing that that would have been sort of more your ready made strong side end yeah i
0: wouldn't i so the the guys that i'm about to mention I'm, I'm not comparing to Kyle Hamilton by any means but i but i really think that Ryan Barnes and and uh, Chance Tucker are Three star steals and and I do think that Brian Kelly's point about a lot of these guys would have been four stars. I think I think that's totally legitimate. Yeah, I, no, I it really is in a year
2: like this. I I, I agree with that. He's not just saying we like them as four stars. He's making a a point. Guys guys grow in their senior year and, and gain those stars. It's I mean they you gain them without playing sometimes. Right.
0: I mean I think everybody likes Joe Alt if he isn't actually indeed up to two eighty now. Um, he's further along physically than I think anybody anticipated. That he would be. We're waiting to hear on object Estime, the running back that's been verbally committed to Michigan State. I think he gives Notre Dame. He's a four star, but I think he gives Notre Dame a back that they don't have. I mean, a, a little bit more ramped up Sibo Flemister, per se, uh, but, but with Wiggle. I mean, that's a that's a big guy that is athletic and loves to be physical at the same time. So, um, you know, I think those are some of the guys I think Schweitzer. You know, if I look at three stars um, that I do think will develop into four star talents, I think Schweitzer has that ability, as does Apu. So, um, you know, that's looking good. Yeah, Tim?
2: You know, what's interesting is um, you and I both liked Schweitzer originally uh, when he committed. And then when I saw I highlight tape, I was like, man, I really like him more than Schweitzer. So I almost went back to Pete's way of thinking. It was kind of like, yeah, I, th- I think I kind of like Schweitzer. It's like, maybe I should only really kind of like him because I like somebody else that much more coming into class.
0: You know, and I think. Um, because he's been committed for so long, I think it's just, you know, ho-hum Tyler Buckner, you know? I mean, well, no, I,
2: I look I mean, at you, it's it's kind of, <laughs> Tyler Buckner right away. It's, no, it's I know. Like, I
0: mean, we all have him right. rated right in, in either number one or number two. But but I think, you know what I'm saying, because he's been committed so sure. long, it's like, you know, who's the new shiny toy? He's the he's the the old shiny toy. Yeah. Um, and with him coming in early, Pete, how many guys, you brought it up yesterday, how many guys are enrolling early? I counted
1: fourteen. Wow! Uh, yeah, that is a
0: record, um, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it almost like doubles. I think maybe they, maybe they had nine or ten one year. They yeah, they did a couple years ago. Yeah, it's, it's more than double what their average has been. I guess right.
0: Yeah, I think that average is going to continue to shoot up. And yeah. well, if you need, if you ever need somebody to come in early, it's Tyler Buckner.
1: Yes, under wow. the
0: circumstances, even if you get a, you know, even if you get a grad transfer, which they are, um, I think that's a question in the second half. Or maybe that was from the other day, but uh, you know, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're definitely going to get a grad transfer quarterback, but there's no way that you can ignore that situation. You have to, you have to address that and give serious consideration to doing it. And I think, I think ultimately there's a good chance that that'll end up
2: happening. I think it's worth noting, Tim, that every quarterback has to come in early from now on. If you're going to compete early, you got to come in early at quarterback. The game is too, the modern game has so much on their plate, all the checks they have to make. I mean, not every quarterback is looking to play early. Obviously, some quarterbacks know they're not going to play early, but right. if you want to play early.
0: But if you're a Buckner, you're saying if, if you're a guy, a Buckner, in that if situation. you're a
2: Dracovic, who I understand it, because I would have done the same thing in his position, but it it had to set him back, not coming into Notre Dame early.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, I want I mean, know. The re, it's, I don't want to say it's the only reason, but maybe one of the biggest reasons Reese won the job um in 2010 as the backup because he was the only one of those three who showed up early you know at at that point we didn't know he was like a Mensa candidate as a football player but that uh, that he was there to soak up a ton of information in a way that those other guys just they didn't even have a chance yeah he showed up early
0: yeah you know I think a guy and I was glad to hear Brian Polian bring it up I think a I think an uh, another underestimated guy that's been committed for a long time is Gabriel Rubio I, I think that that's a guy that can he will make an impact one way or another when he when he comes in right when he comes he's an early enrollee too is that correct yes okay um so that will that will certainly help him but I'm I, you know I don't know how much playing time he gets as a freshman but that's a big that's a big athletic body you know that that I think impacts the way the way they practice is, if not actually in the games, right out uh, out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. He, Rubio, Kali, Styles, Buckner, Spindler, Fisher—like to me, that's a. I feel like that's a clear top six, and I realize that Colsey is actually ranked ahead of some of those guys, but to me, those six guys are are the ones that you know are going to have a chance to impact something right away.
0: Yeah, um, I, I fair or not. I I rated Fisher a little bit below that group. I mean, right below that group, just because I think that he has to, he has a lot to prove physically. He's a big, huge guy that was throwing, throwing guys that are 135, 35 pounds less than him around on the football field. And I, when I saw his highlight film, I wanted to see some, I wanted to see technique and he didn't need to use technique many times, but i mean that the the difference between the way he played tech technique wise this year and what he's going to have to deal with next year is is significant and i think you know he's he's he has to be he has to get in great shape uh and if and when he does when he does him and spindler are going to be yeah really a, di- a really dynamic uh pair at the guard position
2: and i think my other guy pete i had in there was uh, i had riley breaking <coughs> six we were saying six, seven guys. I've, I thought the Philip Riley. Yeah, I haven't up there. Killer, and so I, I really like the Philip Riley recommit. That, that two, was
0: great. two things with with Riley. I mean, length. He's got he has length, but he played against great competition, yeah, and he succeeded against great competition. And I think that that will that will serve him very well. The defensive coordinator situation. Um, please don't ask me for a timetable. <laughs> because Clark Lee is in place. They've got ACC championship game and potentially two playoff games. There's no urgency whatsoever for Brian Kelly. There is so much on his plate and this coaching staff's plate. There's no urgency for them to fill that spot. And and I you know, we're not going to hear anything about a defensive coordinator replacement unless for some reason he just wants to go ahead and pull the trigger and say, hey, it's going to be Mike Elson, but which I don't think he's going to do ahead of time. Um, you know, Clark Lee is in place. And for those that worry about whether Clark Lee will be focused on what the job is at hand, you just have to know Clark Lee. He's too conscientious and too committed to being a great football coach for Notre Dame and for Vanderbilt to do anything other than pour his heart and soul into getting Notre Dame a national championship.
1: Yeah, I mean, because it's like, what is he gonna be? Is he gonna be thinking about his staff at Vanderbilt? You know, on the flight down, maybe I don't know. Maybe you can take some notes on the plane. Like, if you're not prepared for Clemson, by the time the wheels go up on that plane, like, you're just not going to be prepared. But you know, during the game, I, would, is it fair to be a little concerned that like his attention got taken away on a you know Monday and Tuesday of this week? Yeah, I think that's fine, but what is that? Like 15, 20 minutes? Right. Um, he
0: probably, he probably, probably didn't stay uh, committed to recruiting for Notre Dame during the last couple of days. No, Notre, no. Dame Notre Dame wouldn't expect him to anyway. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the reason why there's really no rush for Notre Dame to do it. Signing day is coming past and Prince Collie isn't uncommitted um, or unsigned. Like right? he's on board. So every, like Clark Lee's work is done here as a recruiter at Notre Dame. Now he's just, into the game plan.
0: Yeah. I tell you if, if Notre Dame, sorry, Tim one say, if Notre Dame gets Kari G from, from LSU's commitment list along with Prince Kali, I mean, they're both, I think they're both rovers. So somebody's going to have to move, I guess, eventually, maybe not. I, you know, I don't know, but man, those are two really, really physical quality. Second level defenders.
2: I don't mean to go on a tangent, but don't you think it's human nature not to be distracted away from preparations for the ACC championship game? Like, what well, at what point is Clark Lee not going to be engaged in that thinking about next year in Vanderbilt? He has a full on rebuild. He well, that's why that's why I say that the, some other time. <laughs> this the, is the, like this is career highlight.
0: The last few days, he yeah. should have been recruiting for Vanderbilt.
2: Yeah, that's fine, but the whole t- that, that's a little like he should have been preparing for clemson. Steve, that is he's not coming back to an acc or sec championship game in the next decade so he should be preparing for clemson. this is a career highlight for clark lee. yeah no, there's
0: no doubt and <laughs> but as was said i mean he's how much he's prepared for clemson. he, yeah, he that's knows, what I'm saying. He knows everything he there is to know about clemson.
2: clemson. i don't think most people would waver just because uh, who was it uh, kiffin? yeah it was kiffin right they got fired right before that. Yeah. yeah that's kiffin. like
1: that's such an exception to yeah, this. That is rule the exception, one. yes. And, and it's even an exception in Alabama. Like this stuff happens in Alabama all the time, and they're fine with it. So it's like you know, the the Clark Lee distraction angle is, I think, a bit ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Saban's used to it. I, you know, that's a that's a conveyor belt. You know, guys. <laughs> I mean, that coaching staff is uh, is in and out. And then you know, as far as defensive coordinator, everybody keeps. And I understand Marcus Freeman's done a great job. It's Luke Fickle's defense, but Marcus Freeman's done a great job. But everybody in the world knows that he wants to be a head coach. So if he comes to Notre Dame, how long do you think he's going to be here? He's going to come to Notre Dame, he's going to have success next year. And he, he could have one he's going to have one foot in and one foot out as soon as he arrives.
2: I completely agree with you. I wrote it in Monday Musings. He's a home run rental.
0: So you so now so if that happens. Your seniors and fifth-year seniors will be on their third defensive coordinator. I mean, that's not, a, you know, that's not a good situation either. And uh, I realize you you go, you try to get the best guy that you can.
1: I mean, Clark yes. Lee yeah. almost got the Boston College job after year two, so I'm not.
2: Yeah, uh, but a two-year rental is different than a one-year rental. I mean, it really a one-year rental is a consistently overturning
1: your defense. That's
0: right. True. And Freeman's already established as a coordinator, whereas Lee wasn't, so he he he, he did need a second year.
1: I I would go Marcus Freeman if I could if I was Notre Dame you know I, I yeah. think it, it I don't
2: disagree but you're, you're, there's still a downside I guess what I'm I'm sure not, yeah there.
0: I'm not saying don't do it I'm just saying that's that's something that you you got to be prepared that we're we're man especially in the Zoom era we're we're never going to get to know that guy he's going to be in and out and he'll be a head coach somewhere
1: <laughs> yeah that I mean that's true and like I know when uh, the evaluation for Lance Taylor was happening that Brian Kelly was like. All right, you're going to give me at least two years, right? Like you're not going back to the NFL, right? Like I'm looking for someone to be here for a, more than one season, right? right. Um, and I don't know if Marcus Freeman would probably give that assurances, nor nor should he. I mean, and any any assistant coach who can get a Power Five head job, that's that was. I was talking to somebody who covers Freeman, and felt like he may have he may have he may be so good right now at Cincinnati that he's gone above the G5 job for his, his his first head coaching job. And if that's true, if he's adamant, like, hey, I'm not I'm not looking for Cincinnati where Fickle doesn't seem to be in any hurry to leave, um, then it's harder to get that next job. Um, it's hard, it's harder to find, like, a Vanderbilt or, you know, a, I don't know, an, an Illinois or a Minnesota, something like that. Those jobs are hard to come by even for the hot young coordinator.
0: By the way, um, Greg Gabriel, the, the former director of player personnel with the Bears, uh, drafted Marcus Freeman. Were you aware of this? Oh,
2: really?
0: No. Yeah? Not a big fan. Oh, Not really? Fan. Fifth round draft choice.
2: Oh, his playing ability or his?
0: Fifth round draft choice, physical freak, and then they put the pads on. Hmm and uh, the the effort was he was cut with it he was a fifth round draft choice so fifth round draft choices get cut all the time but his time with the bears was short lived and and then he was picked up by a couple other teams and was quickly was quickly cut it has nothing that's neither here nor there as a to him as a defensive coordinator but just uh, j- just uh, just passing it along we want to wrap up this segment we will make it brief
1: <laughs> with
0: yeah. northern with basketball melly was at the game last night um And, uh, and we watched it, uh, on ESPN and, you know, Trey Wirtz is a guy that they really wanted to get eligible. He's eligible. We saw last night what he can do offensively and he's going to help them both in terms of spreading out the minutes and, and another guy that can certainly score in double figures, but the defensive effort last night was so absent that, you know, I, 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 Tim, I had texted you. I said, they got a chance to win this game tonight before the game started. Right. Right, and then we saw what the defensive effort was, and it was um, uninterested.
2: Yeah, it's maddening, and Mike Bray was surprised by it. Um, they don't, they're not a good defensive team, but the defensive effort was terrible. It was, it was non-existent. There was no defensive effort. I mentioned in what I were the yeah, what were the Arfogons, stats in, in thirty-four the possessions, twenty-two layup attempts without a foul. How do you Duke not go to the foul line, Duke, until the fourteen thirty-two mark of the second half? because they don't get breathed on is why they don't have to go to the foul line. It was, it was offensive to watch for people. The best thing that happened was Trey where getting eligible because he's going to break into the rotation and Mike Bray after the game saying, we may have to make some changes defensively and in our lineup.
0: That was, I found that interesting. Who do you think he was talking about
2: specifically? um you have to go four around one besides everybody (laughs) well he i mean he can't bench no matter how frustrated you get with somebody like prentice hub in a game like that prentice hub is playing 38 minutes the rest of the year and i get plenty frustrated with prentice hub but he's a necessary 38 minute player that or 37 minute player um but i think works is coming in and it's gonna hurt you defensively but you got to go four round one. You got to take Durham out of the lineup for more than, he can't play more than 15 minutes. He doesn't give them anything. No, give them I, anything.
0: You know, I still, you know, I, I asked him the other day about Zona and he said, yeah, we, you know, we like Zona in the direction he's going, but you, I I still think that you, he's been productive in short spurts. Yeah. Give him his short spurts to lean on, to lean on somebody and, and pound on somebody and, and.
2: To foul someone you, on right, the right <laughs> Exactly.
0: If you want to, if you want to give fouls, He's the guy to do it. He's 250. He'll lean on you and pound you. At least you know he's going to give a a strong effort on the defensive end.
2: Yeah, he's given an effort against Ohio State. I mean, he could give an effort against Duke. Duke does not have bodies inside that scare you. Matt Zona could have been in there. I mean, it was their guards going around everybody just having fun at the rim. And Matthew Hurt was – I mean, Matthew Hurt has a really nice touch. But if you give the guy the ball – Eight feet away, he's going to continually hit his eight-foot shot.
0: Matthew Hurt traveled like five times last night. Even yeah, called he,
2: he traveled. He traveled <laughs> twice on one shot. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, an amazing. I, and I don't.
0: I don't mean to suggest that Zona is going to make a difference between winning and losing against Duke. I, I, and I'm not. I'm not questioning the use of the bodies. I'm questioning the the effort of the, de, the of de, the defensive play by the players, and they, it was terrible.
2: It was, and I mean, it, there's no denying it. And Bray didn't deny it. He. That should how disappointing he was. It yeah. was. I expect him to play much harder against Purdue. I just don't know if if that can always matter. Um, I mean, it should. they're good. they're good enough. If they play very hard defensively for forty minutes, their offense should be good enough where you get some steals and you get some breakaways and you get some easy shots. And I, it's strange I mean, you know what? Also, Cormac Ryan cannot go through halves shooting one shot. He shot one shot against Ohio State in the second half after scoring fifteen. He shot one shot in the first half against Duke. They're not good enough to let it come to him. They yeah, get, they
0: need I, him to I do a little more. It's, I think he's. I think we're seeing the fight that he has to have to get good shots.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, and so that's that's a little bit disappointing. Um, and Leszewski didn't have a good game last night. He's played. He's played pretty well. Uh, you know, I just I don't understand the effort. Uh, but I think they're going to be. I, I think the addition of warts is going to be significant to them. They need to get one Saturday. Uh, and then, then they head into then they head. Well, they do have Howard coming up, but they do. Then they head into uh, ACC play, and you're 0 and 1 without much of an effort. And again, they lose, but it was 10. It was a 10 point game, right? That's two. That's two 10 point games. You know, Michigan State was a 25 point game.
2: But yeah, they Michigan State 10. killed them, but they gave more effort. I, <laughs> I just yeah. thought they
0: couldn't score on Michigan State. Yeah. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Norname versus Clemson. Today's Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast is sponsored by ShelbySweats.com. Shelby, at Shelby underscore sweats on Instagram, is a certified personal trainer and online fitness and health coach. Shelby offers one-on-one coaching to provide her clients with custom fitness and health plans at work. Shelby uses her own 60-pound weight loss journey to help clients look and feel their best without over-exercising or restriction. Her fitness methodology combines strength training, cardio, yoga, boxing, and functional movement and flexibility. For a free 30-minute video chat consultation with Shelby, fill out a form on her site, shelbysweats.com, or an email to shelbysweatstraining at gmail.com. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Subfan. Do you think any of the current Notre staff, analysts included, will join Clark Lee at Vanderbilt?
1: Yes. Um, I don't know what Notre Dame will do with replacing Lee, but depending on how that shakes out, it could lead Nick Leszczynski out the door to Vanderbilt. Uh, and then I'm also really interested to see what happens with Jake Flint um, as potentially a number one strength staff guy. Um, He's certainly that, ready. But yeah. that's, beyond those two guys, nobody else really comes to mind that I think would, that I would describe as like, wow, that would be a significant departure.
2: I mean, if Lazinski stays, it's a pretty good indication they're considering heavily the in house move, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: If if Lazinski's on, yeah. If Elston's the coordinator, if Lazinski's on the.
2: And Tim and Pete, do you both think that Elston, the coordinator, there's some type of co thing with Terry Joseph since he's already passing? Well,
0: I I mean, I I would not be surprised if Terry Joseph went with Clark Lee to Vanderbilt. Really? I I, I, elevate him. Mm hmm. To a, a coordinator's role, they they work hand in hand uh, on game day in the press box. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at that. And so then now we're looking at uh, a little bit of a different shift for Notre Dame in, in their defensive coaching staff. I'm not exactly sure what direction that would go. I guess we'll worry about that when we get more information. Well, they at
2: least have a rising star at cornerbacks coach. So that helps. Yeah. <laughs> now,
0: if, yeah, yeah if lazinski's not elevated to linebackers coach, I'm sure that he goes with, with right. Clark Lee. I mean, that talk about working hand in hand. Those yeah, two yeah. guys have worked definitely work hand in hand. And Lee has given Lazinski a lot of responsibility and Lazinski has handled it every step of the way. His name comes up all the time in recruiting. And it right. came up again with Prince Colley.
2: And we can't speak hundred percent specifically to this because we're not in their meetings, and everything. but if Nick Lazinsky's not ready to be a linebacker coach right now, what young person is ready to be a linebacker coach right now? I mean, hey, you, I, you don't have to have seven years of experience to can move up in that job.
0: I, I wrote this the other day. all of us has, has seen all of us have seen Nick Lazinski coach. And right. if you didn't know that he wasn't a full-time coach, you would think that he was. by the way, he carries himself. By the way, the players respect him and inter- interact with him.
2: BWAC 29, can Clarence Lewis do a better job of containing Cornell Powell than Tariq Bracey did? Is it sustainable to have only one level of depth that can compete at this level through the next two or three games? And that second question is even better one than the first. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean, I think we all are impressed with what Clarence Lewis has done as a true freshman. And so, yes, I absolutely, absolutely believe that he gives them a better chance. I thought he I thought he did a lot of good things physically. You know, he was physical against Syracuse. When I asked about Brian Kelly about him, I mean, I think he thought I was questioning whether he played well, and he talked about the things that he did poorly against Syracuse, but I thought he did a lot of good things. I think he gives him a chance. As for the second question, is it sustainable in the next two or three games? Not really.
2: No, I agree. I agree. It's <laughs> not either.
1: I'd say like one of the sneaky what's different from the first time around uh, bits that I think got gets, that's lost is like in Clemson part one, I think the staff was three Bracy was at the beginning of playing himself out of the lineup. So they kept giving him those chances. Like that's done. So I think they're better at cornerback today than they were on November 7th because they, they have much more faith in Clarence Lewis and confidence in Clarence Lewis than they, they really did in Bracy. Yeah. Sustainable. I, I, no. Sustainable for the next three games. Is tough, it's tough. That's a,
0: if the next three games are Clemson, Ohio, State, in Alabama, no, it's not sustainable. Yeah,
1: so, like, we all watch the Cotton Bowl, right? Like, it's not sustainable when you only have two corners that you, can put, that you can count on.
2: Terry Benedict, who plays a bigger role returning in this game? Trevor Lawrence or the defensive players for Clemson? That is Tyler Davis, Mike Jones, and James Skalski. I
1: still think um, it's Lawrence.
0: Yeah, I still think it's Lawrence. You know, I wrote it in Thursday Thoughts Day. I don't care if Uyangalele threw for four thirty-nine or five thirty-nine. Lawrence on the field is is so significant. Now, I mean, I don't know how to rate these. I mean, Tyler Davis is is hugely important to them. James Skalski is maybe even more important to their defense. All of these additions are really, really significant for Clemson, especially with Jared Patterson out.
2: You know, I was completely with you guys saying Trevor Lawrence, kind of without blinking, but now I'll ask you the question with Jake Venables out. Doesn't matter, because this isn't happening, but remove someone. Trevor Lawrence or Skalski Davis and Mike Jones, with Jake Venables already out.
0: A one for three thing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter, because it's not how the (laughs) world... But I'm just saying, that's how the question works. It's a
0: a hypothetical that unfortunately doesn't apply.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. They're all they're all good. Coming back Uh,
1: in a nutshell right there.
2: Well, you know, I think the Davis thing you have to bring up Patterson is why that's a big deal, too. You've lost Patterson being Davis. That's the the bigger whammy.
0: By the way, we haven't said anything about this, but Kyron Williams spilled the beans about the center position, right?
2: Yeah, they kept spilling it too. Robert Haynesy spilled it, too.
0: Right. Pete, you know, what I'm talking about.
1: No, I I was stuck on a different interview, so I only got to listen to Dave oh. and Kyle Hamilton. Oh, I, Kyron,
0: I Kyron talked about
1: text and didn't know what it meant.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't. Ky, Kyron, this was Tuesday Tuesday night, right? Kyron yeah. talked about, um, you know, what a great job Josh Lugg was doing now in place of Jared Patterson.
2: Well, Robert Hazy <laughs> did too. Hazy said lug has been lug has been yeah yeah Lugg's been great and all that stuff.
0: So I mean, that was so I look. Like, I knew Corral's not healthy. Or at least he wasn't when I said that a few days ago. So um, I mean, it looks like Lug will be starting at center. Uh question from CA Irish seventy seven. Are you concerned that the injuries on the O line will significantly change the offensive tack, resulting in less emphasis on the running game? Mm. I am. I'm concerned about the injury. I don't know that I'm concerned about less emphasis. because not I, less I emphasis
2: I'm less efficiency. How's that? Less effective running yeah. game. Um, so Notre Dame's efficiency, throwing out Duke, because for some reason, Duke is far and away the leader in uh, killing Notre Dame's offense this year in terms of rush efficiency. So we could just chalk that up to game number one. Um, but Clemson and Louisville were right there. If you remember how Louisville handled Notre Dame's run. 44% rush efficiency for Duke – I mean, for – excuse me, for Clemson and Louisville against Notre Dame. It's just that one of those 44% was a 75-yard touchdown run. Yeah. Um, they get two 35-yard runs. You could have a 45% efficiency, right? Kind of make some long runs. Yeah. But I yeah. think it's a pro- – I think it's a
1: problem. Patterson was really good, and Davis is really good, and I can't keep saying that. Yeah, I mean, it's a – I don't know. I feel like it's a problem in the past game too, though, because it's like – or it's even a problem in the um... – improv plays is uh jamie from isd because yeah because like you can't have books scramble if he's scrambling the second he gets the ball like he needs time to look 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 okay nothing's there take off um if he's running for his life then scrambling is a bad thing but you need time to not have guys in his face all the time
0: yeah and i just want you just want to see lug Stay under your pads. Don't you don't be lunging. Stay under your pads. I, I I really this is why I said all along that I thought he was going to be the choice at center with all things being equal because he's six seven. He's a redshirt junior. He's big and strong, and it's a it's a big body in the middle. And I think that that's he's probably four the best.
2: Yeah, right. And, and it's the Matt best Bayless.
0: way. It's the best way to compensate for Tyler Davis's reinsertion into the lineup. But he's got to keep his his pads underneath him because if he's lunging and on the ground, you know, and getting dismissed by Tyler Davis, you know, then, then you have the issue.
2: CMU Penns fan. Do you think Clemson underestimated Notre Dame's wide receiver play last time? How does Notre Dame counter this time?
0: I probably, I I would have at that point. I (laughs) I mean, they probably underestimated Ian book going into that game too, a little bit because he just had not been, the consistent quarterback that he's been the last four games. So, yeah, probably. Um, how does Notre Dame counter that? Man, we, we've had a lot of questions about that.
2: You know, I think Notre Dame – I mean, I just think Notre Dame's wide receivers are legitimately good players right now, and that's – they Exactly. Don't you counter it by – you get in, open. You, you
0: go to them. If, it's, if it's back shoulder, it's back shoulder. Whatever. Yeah. You go to them.
1: Yeah, like if they underestimated it, I don't think they would change anything they did against Javon McKinley and Ben Skaronic. Because that's true. You're not going to be like, well, we need to double team Javon McKinley at the expense of the run game or Michael Mayer. Like that just doesn't make any sense. No, I think you're. I I tell you, and
2: I did want to talk about this because I don't think it's. We're going to have a question that can help with this. I really think, and Tim and I brought this up last podcast. I really think that drag route and crossing route that has worked all season long, mostly to Mayer, but also to Skoranek and McKinley. I really think at an important time, they, they have something coming behind that because Clemson's going to jump on that Michael Mayer crossing route with the field side corner coming up. You know what I'm saying? Where he's just, it yeah, works well, every yeah. single time.
0: <laughs> Syracuse, Syracuse did it. Totally they did, did,
2: but there was, I think you got to hit something behind that. Now there's got to be a, it's so obvious they want to run it when it's important. They run it on third and twelve. They run it on third and two. It's just different depths.
0: Well, uh, yeah, get get mayor up the seam maybe this yeah. is is the way um, to to compensate for that. Um, Syracuse did a good job of it with mayor, but you're yeah. right. Something behind it. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, Chad Flanagan, which buck linebacker? This is a good question here. Which which buck linebacker do you anticipate being the standout this weekend and getting the lion's share of the snaps? So you remember that. Shane Simon had his best game 10 times over in Notre Dame uniform against Clemson.
1: I think it's going to be Simon. um, But I have had, I do not have my finger on the pulse of what's happening at Buck linebacker at all. I Um, think I've been confused about that position all year. I think Simon will start because he's kept, he keeps
2: starting. Part of it is just his, I think they like his size filling a gap, whether he's any better than anybody filling the gap or not. He's, he's bigger than Kaiser, which is part of the reason I think he's in there. Um, but I think Leo Fowle will play the bigger role in a, in a pass rushing way this year, just like it was against North Carolina. And I just don't think Simon will play a big role again. I think it's awesome that Shane Simon had the best game of his career against Clemson and the most important win in a quarter century, but he hasn't made plays since or before.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure he'd been, Notre Dame won the point of attack. And so Simon yeah. b- benefited from that, but you know, Brian Kelly the other day was talking about can't let ETN get to the second level. Fow is the best option there if he gets to the second level.
2: I was looking up something real fast, Tim, to tell you about snap counts here for Simon. All right, gonna, uh, look, uh, you do look, that. The
1: linebacker position has averaged 3.5 tackles a game this season. Like,
0: How in the world? <laughs> how is that even possible? I don't I, get I, it. I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. If you would have told me before. It's a good defense. Right. Notre Dame's going to be undefeated with a great defense and, and one of the least productive positions. It's become more – certainly it's become more productive in the last four games.
2: Right. You know, Indiana. this is strange, though. I mean, Leofield had nine snaps against well, Syracuse.
0: Leofield's impact against North Carolina and then Leofield's impact against Syracuse. It was like you didn't even – you forgot that he had the game that he had against
1: North yeah. Carolina. he, he went South Florida, Jack Kaiser, every other game.
2: Exactly he went 35 to 9 in his in North Carolina to Syracuse. Kaiser was 23-23. So they're giving, they're looking at him a little more. And here's the bad news. I'm on Pro Football Focus, and you they list the order of rankings. I have to go all the way to the bottom of the page to find the next one. Uh, Simon was, I mean, Simon was 63 snaps against Clemson. 29-15-19. So guess what? They like Shane Simon against Clemson. I just figured it out <laughs> because 63 snaps means they like Shane Simon for some reason against yeah, Clemson. And, and if,
0: I, if I could remind everybody that Pro Football Focus said Notre Dame had a run uh, run stopping issue after the second game of the season, and right now they're on pace to become the first Notre Dame rush defense to hold opponents under 100 yards rushing per game since Kent Bear in 2004.
2: Nice, but they are not lying about the total snaps. So That's that's there. That's a lot of snaps. 63 snaps for Shane Simon against Clemson. That's, wow.
0: It's so JCR, awesome. JCR Hoosier, why not let Clark Lee move on? Like Lou Holtz always says, that seems to never work out, staying, staying to coach after accepting another job. Why not find out about Mike Elson like Tommy Reese last year versus Iowa State? Are they, is Norton playing in the Camping World Bowl
1: I, and, and I nobody see. let us know? I cede my time to the great Senator O'Malley from Granger. Indiana. Well,
2: let me put it this way.
1: When when Tim sent the questions,
2: I read it, and I read it wrong. I thought he did move on. He's going to Vanderbilt. Then I read it again just now, and I still didn't get it. And now I realize that they don't want Clark Lee to coordinate this game. So, Tim Priester, please continue your podcast in any way you like. <laughs>
0: The, the, this isn't an, it's not an exhibition. Notre Dame is about to try to win an ACC championship.
2: The girl World Bowl kind of was, honestly. And a,
0: and, uh, well, I know, I'm saying, <laughs> this is not, this is about ACC championship and a national title. Uh, you know, we can worry about Mike Elston and whoever else, the first game of next year, who do they play the first game of next year? Florida so State. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: we, we should be
0: worried about Okay, it. well, maybe so, but... Uh, I, I No offense, J.C.R. Hoosier, but Clark Lee's a great defensive coordinator, and as long as he wants to stay around to help Notre win against Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, I say stick around, my friend.
2: I think he can stick around for a couple more months if he wants to. That's fine with me, too. Tool 1934, with Bob Diaco now available, would Brian Kelly reach out to him? Let's be quick on this one. Okay.
0: Yeah, right. he'd reach out to say hi, how you're doing. Nope. But no, Bob, Bob Diaco I mean, says no to that. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't know if Bob Diaco has adjusted his style of defense and, you know, Hey, the 2012 defense was absolutely spectacular yes. and it, 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 worked great. You also had incredible personnel uh, at that time, but I mean, this was a keep the football in front of you type defense. When Diaco was the coordinator at Notre Dame, I said that Mike Bray should hire him so that the, the basketball team can keep the ball in front of them, contrary <laughs> to your last night against Duke. Yeah, uh, I but I, people but, under fifty. But Diaco, no, I don't see that happening. You guys,
1: no, no, zero. I, I, I would be floored if that occurred. Yeah,
0: Ben Bocklage, nor Notre Dame, Notre Dame was more physical in the first game against Clemson. Does that give Notre Dame a psychological edge? No one would ever admit.
1: You I know, if, it gives them an edge that they do admit. I asked Dalen Hayes about this. No, he means Clemson. Will Clemson admit it? Oh, no, Clemson has admitted it as well. Uh, I,
0: Dabo Sweet, he said they got just the other day, he said we got our butts kicked.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So I I don't think it gives Clemson, it has admitted it, but I don't think it gives Notre Dame an edge. Like, I think it makes Clemson pissed off and they have a point to prove.
2: Yeah. I, you know what I think gives them an edge, Notre Dame, is if we go to halftime and it's 13, 10 Notre Dame again in a game like that. And you go into the third quarter and you're like, Holy cow, these guys just, this is what it is. This is how they play. I mean, that that's when, if things don't get loose, this, that will be an edge for Notre Dame, but that you have to go out and prove it again. It's not going into the game physical edge.
0: Yeah. And and despite the physical edge, it took, it took a 75 yard touchdown drive to send the game into overtime and a double overtime to win it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the one thing that, that keeps telling me, I keep coming back to when you talk about rematches and Lawrence and Tyler Davis, it's the one thing that keeps pulling us back to, you know, Notre Dame can win a rematch. If you win the trenches. Yeah. I mean, 99, I don't know how many times out of a hundred, you're going to win a football game. And so, yeah, it is, it, it is a psychological edge for Notre Dame. They should be very confident that they can do it again.
2: Broker fifty five. How much of an effect will having to double team the nose guard Tyler Davis of Clemson have on the run game?
0: I think it would, um, you know. And I've said that, and I don't know how much Notre Dame's going to actually do that. Um, I think if you want to if you want to contain Tyler Davis, you're going to have to do it a lot. But if you double him, James Skalski's right behind him. If you're not getting a, if you're not getting interior offensive linemen to the second level to get a body on Skalski, then Skalski's going to have a big day.
1: I would, I mean, you'll double-team them some because they double-team people on every play almost, but yes. they still have Aaron Banks and Tommy Kramer. Like, they have senior and fifth-year senior guards who are probably going to play in the NFL. So I'd, you know, if it was, if Notre Dame was starting Dylan Gibbons, Josh Lugg, and Zeke Carell as their three interior guys, then, like, then I would be like, oh boy, you really have to alter a game plan. But, like, Notre Dame's strength is its offensive line, even without... Patterson, so I think I think they'll be okay. I don't I don't see Tyler Davis as have, being like a game wrecker all of a sudden on this on this game plan. Um, Todd
0: McShay called him that the other night a couple of weeks ago against Virginia Tech. Having rewatched that game, um, when you don't double team him, he's pretty hard to contain. But you're right. I mean, hell, Aaron Banks should absolutely feel like yeah. he can go one on one with Tyler Davis. Yeah. You don't know exactly how many times they're matched up, but. Um, no, I, you know, if the return of Skalski is huge now, he's not a real mobile guy per se. He's an in the box guy. Um, so I think he's you get- mobile as
2: Venables was, I mean, he can run, he can, he can handle that. It's not like they're losing. They didn't really gain anything in Venables when they lost him. Does that make sense? I know he's stripped, He stripped Ian Book. So that was a pretty big deal, but Skalski is coming back. As a better version of the guy they had in there,
1: so they. No, really, I agree. Yeah.
0: I agree. I thought Venables did a Venables did a really nice job. Um, you know, for a guy that right, right. I mean, that's not a front line defender on Clemson, generally speaking.
2: Wash, N. D. If Brendan Clark can't compete in the spring and summer, and a grad transfer is not brought in, who would you put your money on to be the opening day starter, Pine or Buckner?
0: Tommy Reese talks about Drew Pine and what a great study he is in terms of understanding the offense with Tyler Buckner coming in early. You know, I mean, I, 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 like Pine's game. I love Pine's game coming out of high school. He's a savvy battler, but man, he's small. I know I've said that before, but man, you, you, I, I don't know that any of us realized how small he was until you saw him in an end game.
1: I, yeah, I don't know what impact not playing a senior season is going to have on Tyler Buckner. I think it's, I do think it's probably a significant impact um but man I really I would be disappointed for where things are going if at the end of spring practice Buckner and Pine are not right are not even um in some way like that Buckner is is made a case like okay it's this is it's going to happen for this guy um so I but that's a tough, that's a tough question to answer. I could see Notre Dame starting multiple quarterbacks next season. It just feels like that kind of year.
2: Yeah. Um, it's a unique situation if fans are back and you're going down to Tallahassee for a Monday night, Labor Day night, and it's going to be a little wild down there. Um, I mean, I, I can't say Notre Dame's going to choose Tyler Buckner just because he's a, a player I like better on highlight films. That's kind of ridiculous to say, but Tyler Buckner coming in early gives him a chance, and since they, uh, you know, it's, December of Clemson championship week, I'm going to go ahead and say Tyler Buckner. And then I don't care if anybody holds it to me or not, because I don't care. There's a bigger game Saturday. <laughs>
0: I, One way or another, Notre Dame's kicking the tires on, uh, kicking the tires on uh, a grad transfer. So yeah, we'll, see, we'll see how that shakes out. Well,
2: let's jump to that then. Barney, 1980. Notre Dame needs a transfer QB to bridge the gap to Buckner. Are there rumors of that happening?
0: Not rumors. It's they're, they're looking at You're it. They're looking for they're, it. They're certain. They're certainly giving that
2: consideration. Brendan Clark's injury made that a necessity rather yes, than.
0: Absolutely. Was. Uh, Donnelly three, four, three, four, which Notre Dame football team have you been the most emotionally invested in during your years of covering Notre Dame football? Pete, how emotionally invested are you in Notre Dame's teams? The uh, 2016
1: team was very emotional.
0: Um, I just couldn't believe what I was doing. O'Malley, O'Malley and I grew up Notre Dame fans. That was not necessarily the case for PC. Yeah.
1: No. No, I, I mean, I, I enjoy, I would say the the only emotional investment that I have is like when we get towards the end of the year, and it's like, is the bowl game going to be really good or just a game that I don't want to attend? Yeah, I'll, I'm going to give you my answer from a covering point of view. I was only going to do it from a covering point of
2: view. And I think you might agree with my theory. Mine is 2012 because 2018 well 2020 we we have not covered the team in person we do not know the players the same way we did mm. in previous years
0: they have no idea who we they are no idea who we
2: are <laughs> they don't care um not their fault 2018 <laughs> there was there was a lot of likable guys like you think of love tranquil miles boykin Ian book brandon Wimbush. um but 2012 was a kind of more of a journey almost of covering them. I remember it the only time I've seen the actual professional writers after the last game or after something happened, congratulate the head coach because it was such a feat by Brian Kelly walking out of USC where everybody was just like, congratulations. I mean, it was not, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Back in that. Well, yeah, they lost period, 10 like, games
0: in the previous two years and now they're yeah, playing for the national uh, title. I felt
2: like the way the coverage of them and our access to them, and even I know that was the first year we didn't have assistance all the time, but we still had Diaco. Uh, we still talked to Martin. We, because of the bowl game situation, there were just more in-depth coverage of them allowed. And I feel like I knew all of those players where I absolutely do not feel that way much since, or or this year, excuse me, I should say. Um, like you mentioned the 2016 team. I mean, I, 2016 and 17, we all, it's players you get invested in are like Mike McGlinchey and guys like that. So that's part of the investment if you're covering it. Um, in terms of fun to watch, this team's more fun to watch than the other ones. I, I, I think they can win too. But so if you want to look at it that way, I think this team's the most fun to watch. Where you sit down and think, I mean, let's win this game because they could be the best team, right? I mean, Alabama's right. probably the best team, but they, they, let's go win an ACC championship. Yeah. Um. I just don't feel the. As Tim said, they don't know us. <laughs> they don't know us. There's no way.
0: For me, it's it's the '93 season because you want to talk about access. I mean, right, right. Way more access back. In that day, and and that was a that was a, you know, the Kevin McDougal story. The offense was good. The defense was good. By the way, um, did you see that Bryant Young's daughter got accepted to Yale? Did you see that on Twitter? Oh, yeah. no, that's great. It was it's her reaction is absolutely priceless. And Bryant Young, who the, those of us that covered him and knew him called him By. I mean, you you it, it, he is he was such a class guy and such a great representative. That's a humble, great representative of Notre Dame and then a great NFL player. You should be the I saw that, be I saw that, Yeah, and you're a 49er When I saw that this morning, I mean, I just couldn't help but um, tweet to him because his daughter's reaction was priceless getting into to Yale. Left Coast ND fan, assuming Notre Dame wins Saturday, do you think America wants to see Notre Dame Clemson 3.0? If TV ratings are a factor, I don't see the Tigers in the playoffs.
2: We'll- no, the only way Tigers are getting in. Is yeah,
0: they, they shouldn't get, get in. in, in.
2: What I was saying that I get Dabo Sweeney's argument this year, I'm saying I get why he's making it. He might win. He could possibly win the argument saying this year, Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in ahead of us. I'm not saying a two-loss Clemson team should get in. I get why you would actually make that audacious argument this year.
0: Have you heard Ohio State has COVID issues?
2: Yeah. That Ooh, could, I that, heard that. Yes,
0: that can impact this weekend's game.
2: Like a <laughs> good receiver and some kind <laughs> right, of like
0: it ran through the receiver core. Yeah, so check check that out. Um, now, if Clemson loses Notre Dame a second time, they're not in the playoffs. And but
2: if, no, nobody if, wants to see Clemson Notre Dame three three in America.
1: I
0: don't want to preview it again. I know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd watch it like national championship game. Great, but, sure, that'd be fine. But that, yeah, not not a semifinal. game. so but that would
0: so in the last six games. Well, in in Clemson's case. In its last five games, they will have played Notre Dame three times and Notre Dame three out of six. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be fun, but I'll take it. I just don't want to do the preview. You do the preview that week O'Malley. That's
2: yeah, cool. I can do that. You can do the uh, Purdue preview for that one. though.
0: Okay. <laughs> we got to talk about that, by the yes, way. Uh, last question from Sean Martin and then predictions. What do you think is more likely a a Clemson blowout win B? A close Clemson win, c a close nord Dame win, or d Notre Dame wins in a blowout
1: uh b I think i'm 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 in the clear B camp on this one as close Clemson win is the most likely outcome
2: yeah, I'd say b c a d. I do not, and oftentimes in these games, you could say, like the last time they met, I would have said b a c d this time I say b c
0: I agree with b c a d yeah. yeah. All right, guys, let's wrap it up with uh, game predictions.
1: I, uh, I I do think that all all the personnel changes from last from meeting one to meeting two, favor Clemson, short of Notre Dame already having made the switch a corner, like we talked about, from Bracy to Lewis. Uh, I do not factor in at all, like, you know, Notre Dame's not going to fumble at the goal line with Ian Book again any more than I would factor in Jeremiah Wusu-Cormo is not going kind to of have a full return for a touchdown again. Um, you know, both those things could ha- happen again. But I am um, I often go with like, what just makes the most sense? Notre Dame and Clemson splitting two meetings makes the most sense to me, um, on top of Trevor Lawrence being back. So I, I'm going Clemson 33, Notre Dame 27. Um, I think it will be a good game. I don't think it'll be an epic like the first meeting. I I and I if I was gonna go out on a limb a little bit, I don't think Notre Dame's gonna have the ball and like be inside the red zone with a chance to win it at the end either. I, I think Clemson will not be in control of the game in the second half, but like have at least not have Notre Dame breathing down their neck either. So it's I think Clemson's gonna look good. I think Notre Dame will look good as well and they'll both make the college football playoff it because it's a game that uh, showed they're two of the four best teams. Yeah, I, have,
2: I do have Clemson winning. Um, I come back to I thought Notre Dame's defense played great physical football against Clemson. I couldn't believe how well they played against Travis Etienne, and Clemson scored 33 offensive points in regulation when I thought Notre Dame played great, and they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. So it's hard for me to think that – now, maybe I was wrong. Maybe Notre Dame can clean it up on the back end and play better but 33 points where I thought they were great against Uyunga Galay instead of Lawrence. Um, and I, I, I do feel the Patterson Davis switch is what I like to call it. Cause that's the most important part is that Patterson's not there will affect the running game. Um, I don't know what to make of the 59 minute gap between offensive touchdowns for Notre Dame and that, because certainly they could have scored some offensive touchdowns. Michael Mayer is not dropping a touchdown. Ian Book's not fumbling a touchdown. Um, I can't give Clemson fewer points, but when, when Trevor Lawrence is playing either. I do think this is one important thing, and this is why my score is 37-28 Clemson. I think the field goal unit, the kicker, Jonathan Doerr, I don't like what I'm seeing right now, and I think he's going to have to hit a kick to keep them in the running in the fourth quarter. That's why I'm not in a closer game. Clemson, 37-28 range, and Notre Dame needs another touchdown to kind of press them in the fourth quarter.
1: Backdoor cover kind of thing.
2: Well, no, just not quite able to get there because they missed out on opportunities. Does that make sense? I don't, mean, I don't mean they're going to be down 37-21. I mean, they're just not quite able to bridge that gap because they don't take advantage of some of the drives enough.
0: And I'll have my prediction on Friday, as usual, and uh, be heading out to Charlotte uh, late morning. Pete will be there with me. O'Malley, we gotta, we got to figure out this Norton basketball game against Purdue.
2: <laughs> do <laughs> <we? is> good. <laughs> <It's> just- <laughs> Are you playing? No,
0: actually, no. You need to do the preview, and, Jack, you need to get the wire story right?
2: <laughs> we'll figure it out. I'll I'll be able to write it. It'll be a great one too. All the Notre Dame fans listening to this for our ACC Clemson coverage, you guys should stop watching the game for a little while and read my Purdue Notre Dame game recap. Just just do it during the second quarter when things get good.
0: All right. Thanks everybody. I'm going to be on the
2: page for 10 seconds. <laughs> what is going on here? It's unbelievable.
0: <laughs> I'm going to record both. Because I've got, to, I've got to see what, what transpires against uh, Purdue in basketball. So we're wrapping up here. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next time from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, Please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.